Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. You know, um, we're in the middle of part two of our series called Heroes. And um, we're using Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one as our foundation. But today's character, uh, last week we looked at Esther. This week... um, I was, I was preparing for uh, who to talk about, and you know, um, I was inspired by, by this guy, and we're going to talk about Samson today. And in, in looking at Samson, um, I started to look back in my high school days, I was going through some pictures, and I tried to figure out what did I think Samson probably looked like. And I thought, well, maybe Samson looked something like myself when I was in high school. Can you go ahead and put up my picture from high school real quick? This was me in the weight room. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you laughing now, folks. And uh, so I figured, you know, this was an inspirational. <laughs> this was inspirational for me, as you can tell. This is completely steroid free right here. This is it. It's nice that. But uh, yeah, so that was me in high school. I don't understand why you laugh because I don't feel like you believe me. No, I wasn't. I was actually a buck sixty-five in high school. I never got over one eighty. And uh, God, times have changed. Take the picture off, <laughs> depressed. Can we go to the altar now that I don't look like that? Amen. Thank you. But uh, anyway, I was inspired by Samson. And so let's read Hebrews chapter 12. Um, I'm going to read out the Passion Translation today, verse number one. As for us, we, <laughs> sorry, golly, that image, man, I was like, oh, Sarah did such a great job of putting my face on that. And uh, for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds so that we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so e- that so easily, we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with pa- passion and determination for the path has already been marked out for us. You know, when I, when I read that in another translation, it says we are surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. There's guys that's went on before us. There's guys looking over the, the grandstands of heaven and cheering us on and saying, baby, go for it. There is a race that's marked out for you. Run it with passion. Run it with perseverance, man. Go for it. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, think about the guys that are up there. Peter, Paul, Mary. Do you like how I did that, Peter, Paul, Mary? Okay. All right. But uh, there's, there's guys up there like Moses and Noah. I mean, these cats seen some crazy stuff. And they're up there cheering us on because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that they believed yet did not see the, fa- uh, the promise fulfilled because God had something in store for us. In other words, their story and our story connects to each other. In other words, Noah's story is not complete without us. Come on, man. That's a big thing to think about. So when you start looking at the heroes of, of faith in Hebrews 11, they're guys that have, been, that have been called out. And Samson is one of those guys. I mean, he was a brute. He was supernaturally uh, strong. He was uh, anointed and graced by God to do amazing things. But there was something in Samson's, Samson's life that we're going to learn from. And we're going to talk today about blind spots. Samson had a lot of blind spots. And we're going to look at some advice that Samson would give us when it comes to blind spot. So here is a blind spot. A blind spot is this. It's an area where your view or vision is obstructed. Anybody ever been driving down the highway? I will never forget. 
driving down the highway head to the Cincinnati airport, and it was early in the morning, and oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. I wasn't awake yet, and I was driving, and I remember driving, and all of a sudden, I remember going over. I was getting ready to change lanes, and man, I looked out that window right there, that blind spot, and there was a car there. I mean, it's one of the most scariest feeling, like not knowing that there's there, that there's somebody in your blind spot. You know, when you ride motorcycles, you're not supposed to ride in people's blind spots. Why? Because they can't see you, right? And so your view when it comes to blind spots are obstructed. There's, there's something that you can't see. And you know, when it comes to blind spots, that's the important thing you have to understand when dealing with them. You can't see them. So how do you find them? How do you know what's tripping you up? People, people in your life. There are people in your life that see things you don't see. The only thing that sets you free or keeps you bound to your blind spot is your pride. There's things that we don't see, and the only thing that keeps us bound to the blind spot is our pride. In other words, our ability to be able to allow people in our life to say a few things, to point out a few things that would help us on this journey. As these guys, as we're going to learn, that they, they, have a, they have a desire for us to finish and to finish well. A blind spot are often small and subtle, small and subtle, but blind spots eventually prove extremely costly. How many know that would have been a bad day for me and the brother in the car if I run him off the road? It would have been a bad day. It would have been something that would have cost us, could have cost us our lives. And that's one thing we don't understand sometimes. When we ignore the blind spots or we ignore the advice of others, guess what? We can have, a, we can have an effect on our life that is destructive. Destructive on our life and destructive on others. You know, in your eye, you have a blind spot. It's the the small circular area at the back of the retina where the optic nerve, which you guys all know this, right? You, when I show you an eyeball, you'd be like, oh, there it is. No, you wouldn't. Stop. Where the optic nerve enters the eyeball, which is devoid, listen, if, of rods and cones and, listen, and is not sensitive to light. In other words, a blind spot is a dark spot in your eye. That it's, a dark, it's void of light. It's void of being exposed. And what blind spots are, those are those dark places in our lives that sometimes we just don't want to face when we're faced with them. They're the places that we, are, we allow ourselves not to be changed. Come on, somebody. These are places that we allow ourselves not to be changed. It's areas that you won't allow your faith to touch. Blind spots. You won't allow your faith to touch those areas. That These things are brought out. Now, the Holy Spirit will bring these things out in your life. People will bring these things out in your life. You know, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that as a young man growing up, I had an anger problem. It wasn't a blind spot. It was real. It was, I was mad. I was constantly mad. But I thought I got over it. <laughs> you ever think about you get over something? And then I went and worked in a corrections facility with residential treatment for boys, 12 to 18 years old. And uh, I had a guy that worked with us, and man, I thought I was free of anger. I swear I thought I was free of anger. And then this guy at my work, he would get in my blind spot. <laughs> and when he got in my blind spot on the wrong day or the wrong time, he triggered this anger in me that where I would bring destructive words or I would say things that I would regret. Why? See, because a blind spot is something that, oh, I thought I got over, but maybe I didn't really focus in on it and allow my faith to touch it. So 
The question is, what's your blind spot? What, who, who, here's a good one, who is suffering in your blind spot for the lack of something you refuse to give? I'll say it again. Who is suffering in your blind spot for the lack of something you refuse to give? Or in other words, who is suffering in your blind spot for the lack of you dealing with the things that are brought up in your life? Instead of dealing with them, you ignore them, push them under the rug, they continue to be a blind spot. So, what's the lesson? For when you think you see everything clearly all on your own, you don't have to lose your eyes to be blind. In other words, that you can have eyes wide open but be blind. You can have eyes wide open but be prideful. You can have eyes wide open for when you think you see everything clearly all on your own. You're walking around as a blind man with his eyes open. So here's a couple things. We can be blind to a few things. We can be blind to God's purposes for our life. Here's Samson. Samson in Judges chapter 13, verse number 5. Here's, his, here's what God spoke to his mama, and here's what he says. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. So he's not supposed to cut his hair. Dedicated to God from the womb, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Listen, Samson never saw his purpose. He never came into his purpose. Samson wouldn't deal with his blind spots. He wouldn't listen to the people around him. He started to lust and fall in love with the wrong stuff. And when he began to do that, it created this blind spot. This, I'm just so in love with this person. And I don't hear anything else that anybody else is saying. Well, he, he never walked in his purpose. He was blind to his purpose. Listen, when you know it, listen, when you know your purpose, you make different choices. When you understand what God has created you to be, you make different choices. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, revelation, dream, people cast off restraint. You ever seen wild horses? Like we drove down through Lexington and you could see them at the horse park. They're just out there, they're just running, running. Nobody's got them bridled. They're just running. That's what your life looks like when you have no purpose. There's no restraint. There's no bridle to keep you bridled. There's, there's, no, there's no holding anything back in your life. That you live without restraint, so you do whatever you want, when you want, how you want, whether it makes me feel good, whether it makes me feel bad. I do it all. Why? Because I don't have a purpose. I don't know my purpose. Purpose creates a boundary in your life. I love what Helen Keller said. She said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Having sight but no vision. We can be blind to God's purposes for our life. Second thing is we can be blind to the power of relationships. Relationships. Don't underestimate the power of your relationships. Don't look past the power of your relationships. I believe everybody's destiny is connected to a person. Well, it's just me and Jesus, Jason. Wrong. Wrong idea. It's not just you and Jesus. It's you and people in Jesus. People are, you're connected to people that ultimately gets you to the place that God has for you. So you have to be very careful about your relationships. You burn bridges. You're constantly frustrated. You're constantly, you're, 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 a, you're pessimistic in your relationships. There's power in your relationships. Your depth of spirituality is wrapped up in how you love people, not how you worship, not how you pray, not how you sing, not how you give. It's wrapped up in how you love. 
There's power in your relationships. Listen to what Judges 14 says. Verse number two, when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman. Ooh, boy, how many of you got teenagers? You know, yeah, they come home and they're like, Dad, boy, I've seen this girl. She's pretty. In Timnah, now get her for me as my wife. Now, isn't that crazy? Mom and Dad, I've seen a woman. She's hot. I want to marry her. Go tell her that. Bring her here. We're going to get married. Can you imagine? I'd look at my boy and be like, you're crazy. You're good clean your room. What's wrong with you? Oh, take the trash out. Well, he started to fall in this relationship level, and it says this. He says, his father and mother replied, listen now, if you're a young person in this room, I'm talking to you for just a minute, just a second. <laughs> Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? That's weird. Or among all your people, or our people. So in other words, why are you going outside the camp to marry somebody? Why, why are you going outside the, the covenant? These Philistines were not in covenant with God. Why are you going outside a covenant to get unequally yoked with somebody? Why? It's because Samson didn't understand the power of relationships. He didn't understand that old Delilah had an ulterior motive. It says this, he says, he says, must you go to uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, she's the right one for me. Like Samson didn't even regard what his parents said. Teenagers, young people, Samson would spend a lifetime being defined by his relationships because he didn't listen to his, pa his parents. He didn't listen to his parents, he didn't honor his father and mother, Therefore, he spent a lifetime being defined by his relationships. Well, my mom and dad, they're just a stick in the mud, daggone it. They don't know what I want. They're just fuddy-duddies. <laughs> they're old. They don't know how to live in this world. Let me tell you something right now. Wisdom transcends generations. I don't care if you're born in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it doesn't matter. There's wisdom. So if you're a father and a mother in here, don't stop talking to your kids about relationships. They think they know it all. They don't know a dang thing. They lust. They're like Samson. They're like, you see that girl? She's different. No, man. She's trouble. He's trouble. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Listen to the wisdom because listen, listen, young people, your parents do see your blind spots. They see your blind spots in the area of relationships. You older folks that struggle with relationships, trying to find love in all the wrong places, trying to get your childhood wound healed through people. You too are in a dangerous spot. Why? Because relationships were never meant to be your sole source of fulfillment, yet God brings them into your life to help heal you. He brings them into your life to help propel you into the areas of your life that you can't go without them. Bit blind to the power of relationship. Listen, Samson disregarded wisdom and he paid for it. He paid for it. Number three, that we can be blind to the nature of God. The nature of God. See, he had unusual anointing and unusual power upon his life. I mean, this dude was crushing things with the, the donkey jawbone, man. A jawbone of a donkey. He was knocking folks out and knocking armies out with a 
donkey with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, he was supernaturally strong. He would take animals and, and throw them and rip them apart. I mean, come on, man. I mean, he's supernaturally strong. Well, listen for just a minute. We have a perspective about God that he is good, which is right. But listen, only if it's not a crutch for sin and disobedience. In other words, Samson was blind to the nature of God in his life. He thought the nature of God in his life was to make him strong. He thought the nature of God in his life was to give him this de great destiny and purpose. It was much bigger than that. It was much bigger than a destiny. It was much bigger than a purpose. That God, yes, he had a purpose for him, and he wanted him to deliver Israel. But there was something of the nature of God that Samson was missing. Why? Because he understood that God was good, but he didn't understand that God was just. He didn't understand that God was holy. He didn't understand that God was one to be respected and honored. If, if that was the case, he wouldn't have asked to marry a Philistine uncircumcised outside of covenant woman. He would have never got into relationships with her. Why? Because he would understand the nature of God. The nature of God is not to restrict you. The nature of God is to free you. The nature of God is to bring boundaries that bring freedom, not boundaries that bring bondage. Well, you mean I can't just hang out with No. The nature of God requires a decision that God is good, yes. But I think the church and people across the world think God is good and good only. He'd never do any. No, you use the goodness of God as a crutch for bad behavior. God will forgive me. He's gracious and merciful. He's, he's good, and I can do whatever I want, and he'll, he'll do, and his goodness will bring me back. Folks, you're treading on dangerous territory. Listen, fear of the Lord is, is healthy respect for God. Not like you're scared of God, but there's a healthy respect of God. I will say this, that you can't lay in the lap of sin over and over and over and over again and expect to be free and full of Jesus. You can't. And you can't expect to fulfill your purpose if you lay in the lap of sin over and over and over and over again. Judges 16. After putting him to sleep on her lap, here we go. So he has, he has now entered into another realm with Delilah. That now she's begged long enough. She's begged for his hair to be cut, which is not his purpose. He was symbolizing he was separated for God, that, 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 that he had a power and a purpose. But now all of a sudden, she, was, she had convinced him so much. Listen, you hang around with the wrong voices, you hang around with the enemy long enough, he will convince you to do things that you will regret. Here he is laying in the lap of Delilah, and it says, falls asleep. He falls asleep. In other words, while you're sleeping, the enemy is stealing your purpose. He was asleep. So she called, this one says, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so he began to subdue him, subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Can you just hear her? He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. Listen, 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 listen. 
But he did not know that the Lord had left him. How many Christians presuppose that God is with them, but honestly he's left them because you don't understand his nature? We understand church. We don't understand nature. Nature is holy. Nature is just. Nature is respect and honored. It's different. A relationship with him is different when you understand that he's holy, that he's just. Now all of a sudden you have Samson in this place, and listen to what he says. I'll go out, shake myself free, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him. Notice what they did. They gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. He went from purpose to prison because he didn't understand the nature of God. He walked away from God. He thought he, he presupposed that God would always be with him. He, he thought he could do whatever he wanted and God would be with him. Now, I'm not talking about even gross sin. You know you grieve the Holy Spirit with your complaining attitude? Wow. I thought it was some gross sin. No, you just complain a lot. You like hanging around complainers? I don't like hanging around complainers. It makes me nauseous. Ah, this is wrong, that's wrong, you're wrong, everybody's wrong, and God's wrong, and the world's wrong, and we're going in the wrong, everything's wrong, wrong, wrong. You're wrong. Dude, I don't like hanging around complainers. I don't, I don't like, I, that's, and, and so if I don't, <laughs> how much more God wants to hang around you that complain? It's, it just doesn't work out that way. It says that he left him. We think complaining, well, you know, we just think, well, I can just say whatever I want. No, you're not. You're snared by the words of your mouth. Maybe some of the things going on in your family is not because of sin, of some gross sin. Maybe the things going on in your family is because you don't know how to talk right. Wow. Okay, I'm glad I could see everybody this morning. I noticed nobody wants to make a face or nothing because I see you. Blind by the nature of, to the nature of God. Genesis 6, 3 says, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? The nature of God is freedom. Listen, when I understand what it means to fear God, I can live fearlessly. When I understand that it's not a restriction, but a blessing and a freedom, all of a sudden, man, God sets us on a course. So here's what Samson would say. There's three things that Samson would say to you this morning. Number one is this. If he was here, protect the presence of God. Protect the presence of God. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How do we protect the presence of God? Obedience. We protect the presence of God with obedience. Simple acts of obedience. Read a Bible verse. I give you plenty every week to read. Read a Bible verse. Pray. I'm not talking about hours. I'm talking about communicating with God. Take time to spend. Serve. Serve. Small acts of obedience. Be generous. In other words, obedience looks like I put God first. God's first in my life. 
Everything about my life is God is first. And how do you protect the presence of God? You remember what God said about you. That's what Samson lost. He lost what God had said about him. He couldn't protect the presence on his life because he was too busy. He, he, he had laid in the, in the lap of sin too long that he was desensitized to God's purpose for his life. And that's what happens to us. We become desensitized to God's plan and purpose in our life when we lay in disobedience a long time. When we lay in there a long time, you're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to experience all God has for your life if you don't protect the presence of God. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Now, I could talk about this all day long. But, but there was a church that said, don't be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm or I'll spit you out of your mouth. In other words, God says, keep the fire of the Holy Spirit going in your life. How do you keep the fire of the Holy Spirit? Obedience. Pray. Seek God. I'm telling you, when you get into God's word, God's word begins to change you. It begins to set a fire in you. Listen, listen. If you're listening to CNN, my pastor calls that chicken noodle news. If you're listening to that long enough, if you listen to talk shows, constantly on Facebook and social media, and you're constantly on the internet, and you're constantly focused on what Google's saying, you're constantly focused on the next Snapchat, you're constantly focused on, ooh, ooh, did they get, ooh, did they like my post? We're more intoxicated on likes in the natural than whether God approves of our faithfulness. How can you expect to spend all your time on social media, never pick up a Bible, and be able to protect the presence of God? Some of you, it's just simply you spend too much time with problems. You spend too much time magnifying your problems, and it puts out the Spirit's Fire. Number two, here's what Samson would say. Choose your relationships carefully. This was his biggest mistake. Choose your relationships carefully. Samson's biggest mistake. That's why some people can't get close to me. You're like, well, well, Jason, that's kind of a, that's kind no, 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 no. That's smart. Do you know people? Like I know people. You ever had a leech get on you? They just, they just sit, they're just on your foot and they suck the blood out of your leg. That's what bad relationships do. Some people just suck the life out of you. And you're like, no, I'm going to cut the leech off. The leech is coming. Do you remember Rambo? How many of you remember Rambo when he comes up out of the creek and he's all those leeches and starts taking his knife and cutting them off? Why? Because they were sucking the blood out of him, sucking the life out of him. That's what bad relationships will do. They suck the life out of you. Samson's biggest mistake was relationships. So how do we do it? Nurture important relationships. Who's important in your life? Nurture it. Spend time with them. Love them. G grow that. Secondly is restore any broken relationships that you have the ability to restore. Restore them relationships. If you don't, move on. Thank God for healing and forgiveness. Number three, sever handful or harmful, I said handful, harmful relationships. Harmful. Any harmful relationships in your life, get rid of them. Cut them off. Toxic, toxicity in your life. The last one is initiate meaningful relationships. Notice what I said, initiate. Meaningful relationships don't happen just because we come together. Meaningful relations happens when you initiate them. Then you nurture them. You spend time with them. You, you, you talk with them. Initiate meaningful relationships. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harms. You know, say it, say it all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. As we see the day approaching, let us not forsake ourselves together with meaningful relationships. And number three, in closing, I think this is probably Samson's greatest revelation when you read his life, is failure is never final. Never final. I ask myself, why did this guy make it into the hall of faith? Why did this guy become a cloud, uh, witnesses in a cloud cheering us on? How did he make it in this realm of faith? Listen, Samson lived terribly. He lived an awful life. He had so much purpose and destiny. He just lived bad. But what made him in the Hebrews 11 is he might have lived bad, but he finished well. He finished well. See, failure is never final. Listen to Judges 16, 28. After all this had happened and he had, he had realized the presence of God had left him, here's what he says. Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Strengthen me just once more. And I begin to, to muse upon that statement that he's a once more kind of God, that failure is never final. He might have made mistakes, but it's never final. Strength came back after this prayer in his life. Purpose came back in his prayer. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Why? Because failure is never final. You're all going to fail, but how do you fail? Do you fail and stay down, or do you fail by getting up? Do you get up after failure? Do you fail forward? When you fail, do you, do, you, do you allow it to paralyze you, or do you keep going? Do you keep pressing? Do you get, get a dust off the failure and keep moving? Can I tell you that if that's your mentality, that's the kind of God you serve? He's a God that's a once more God in the middle of failure. He's a once more God. He'll dust you off one more time, man. He'll pick you up one more time. He'll grab your unbelieving hand in the middle of sinking water one more time. Why? Because he loves you. And it's never final. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. You know what's crazy about this passage? As I thought about this the other day, it's much easier to point out somebody else's faults than to reflect on how far God has brought you. Think about it. We forget how you can be in the middle of a move of God and be in the middle of a move of God and God doing something and you find something wrong with it. Listen to what he says. He says, the godly may trip seven times. He says, he is trustworthy saying the deserves from seven. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, what very reason? I was the worst of sinners. That very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, here we go, might display his immense patience. Come on, man, is God patient with you? As an example for those who would believe in him and receive 
eternal life. In other words, that you were a chief of sinners, but Christ wants to display his goodness, his mercy, his purpose, his destiny through your life. Failure is only final when we refuse to get back up. So my encouragement to all of you that have failed, get back up one more time. Samson would say, get back up one more time. Pray that prayer one more time. Love that person one more time. One more time. Once more as you pray in the middle of a feeling like I've lost everything or I failed again. I failed my marriage. I failed my business. I failed in money. I failed my relationships. Once more, God will pick you up again. He will love you again. He will, he will display his goodness to you again. Let's close our eyes this morning. Father, we love you today. You're such a good God. You're such a just God. You're such a holy God. And today, Lord, there are those in this room that, that is, including myself, that need to take lessons from Samson. Maybe it's a relationship twist that needs to change. Maybe it's a priority of not you being first. Or maybe it's we've given up on ourselves, given up on those around us. And maybe we've experienced some failure and we're down. We're down. We're down in the dumps. But today, Lord, you want to lift us up once more. God, you say to us, failure is never final. And so today, Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit right now in this room I'm not talking about you made a mistake. I'm talking about you are at the end. You're, you're down. You're way down there. Today, you need the Holy Spirit to pick you up again. I want to pray for you. If that's you, will you slip up your hand so I can know who I'm praying for? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward, but I'd like to pray for you, buddy. I appreciate it. Anybody else? Pray for you today. Okay. Father, today I pray, God, that in the midst of failure, this one person that raised their hand today, that in the middle of a failure, feeling like a failure, that God today, your Holy Spirit, will lift this man up, will take him to new heights. And today, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit today, God, would lift him up once more. That God, even in the midst of feeling like he's a failure, that God, today, you would lift him up once more. Lord, I thank you today for healing. Thank you today for blessing and deliverance and freedom. I ask today, God, that you would bring a spirit of encouragement around him, that he can keep going, that as he keeps going, that, God, you will continue to meet him where he is, that you will continue to walk him through it, that you will continue to take his hand in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the mess. You will walk him through the middle of this mess. When he, feel like, when he feels like all hope is gone, that God, you will come along and God, you will lift him up once more like you did Samson. You'll put new strength and new purpose, new identity, new relationships. Surround him with new relationships that God will take him to the next level. 
God, I pray today for those in this room that your Holy Spirit is moving upon. I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just continue to move in our church. That God, as the miracles we've seen this morning, that God, we're crying out today for more of you and less of us. That God, it won't be about uh, it won't be about uh, our stuff. It won't be about how cool we are. It won't. It, God, it's going to be about your presence, about your move, God, about relationships with you, about relationships with each other. God, I pray today by the Holy Spirit that God you. You, 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 God, would flood this place. That you, God, would flood this place in our kids' ministry, in our adults, and in, in every area, God, of this church today. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. You want to hear a testimony real quick before we go? Either you guys really like each other or, uh, well, you really do like each other. Um, last week, we had 60 kids in our kids' area last week. 60 kids. That is up, yo. And, and that's a testimony. That's a testimony. What's the testimony? That God, <laughs> we're a multi-generational church with a great purpose. And one of those purposes is to raise up the next generation. We've been having an amazing night on Sunday nights with our students. Our students have been, been blessed. God's been setting some of them free. God's been encouraging our students on Sunday nights. Listen to me, our high school and our middle school students, if you have one, you know one, you need to find one, you need to bring them on Sunday nights right next door. And so I pray for expansion. I thank you, God, for more and more and more and more. But God, we just pray right now in Jesus' name for more. We thank you, God, for an expansion. We thank you for more kids learning about you and knowing you and developing relationships. I thank you today for your Holy Spirit that's back there right now. That, God, it's not just a, it's not a babysitting club, but it's, it's a place where your presence moves. It's a place where your glory falls. It's a place, God, where the Holy Spirit will move among our children. That they will be stamped with the presence of God. That no enemy will be able to come against them. No weapon formed against them will prosper. And so today, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the presence of God. God, upon every person serving, every person volunteering, upon our team, upon Miss Vicki, upon the coordinators, that the presence of God would come and begin to move and begin to bless and begin to encourage and begin to uplift. And so we lift that up to you today in the name of Jesus. Every resource needed to go forth to reach the next generation, God, may it be, may it be, may it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.